This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. I have all of you here today. God bless you for coming and being a part. Uh, Carrie and I are happy to be back uh, at Life Church in Salt Lake area. Uh, we were last Sunday at Life Church Tuella and uh, being a part of our campus out there, just a wonderful group of people. They're so excited about connecting with us and seeing what God has in store for the future as we continue to reach out into the Tuella area. And so be praying. Today is the first uh, Sunday that Pastor Dustin takes over permanently uh, in ministry out there. Throughout the summer, we've had different associates go out and preach on different Sundays and kind of had a rotation basis. And, and um, last Sunday was our opportunity to go out and preach for them, and Sid preached here. But uh, be praying for Pastor Dustin as he takes over the reins out there permanently now, and uh, that God will give us a great effective ministry and, and uh, outreach to the people of the Tuella area. They need Jesus deeply, just like we do here. And let's pray that God will continue to use us. I invite you to pull your notes out for today's message. Before we get into uh, the Word of God, I, I, want to, um, I want to encourage you, if you have not been baptized in water yet, to uh, sign up to do that. You can do it at any of our kiosks. You can just do it right there. You can go up to our information booth, which is out these center doors just off to your right, and you can get information or you can, you can give your name and, and uh, get signed up that way as well. So uh, sometimes there's confusion because there's a lot of different ways different churches uh, handle baptism. Uh, we do it biblically here. Um, you know, and I mean that, we do. And uh, so religious form has really nothing to do with it for us. Um, we baptize in water, first of all, because Jesus commanded that you be baptized in water, not because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a life church thing or, or a my kind of thing. What It's not. It's all about Jesus and what he has commanded us to do. And he said that we're all to be baptized, baptized in water. Why are we baptized in water? Because it's our public confession of faith in Jesus Christ. So if you've received Christ as your Savior and you have not been baptized in water, it's the way that you tell Jesus you love him. It's a way that you tell everyone else that you're committed to serve Jesus for the rest of your life. So even if you were saved years ago and you've just never gotten around to it, never taken advantage, I encourage you to do that uh, next Sunday. So you have to sign up some point this week if you want to be a part of it next week. And I really encourage you to do that. Okay, so today we're in the third part of the four-part series that we've been doing through this month. Next week wraps it all up. And we're talking about just in general what matters, what matters in life. And, and specifically we're talking about what matters to God because you can know what really matters to your boss, and that's important to know. And you can know what's really important and what really matters to the person down the road from you. And you can know what matters to your spouse. And you can know what matters to your neighbor or to your family. And you can know all of that but still fail in life. Because even if you know everyone else's opinion about what matters to them, if you don't know God's opinion about what matters to him, you will fail at fulfilling your God-given destiny. God has a purpose for your life, but for you to fulfill that purpose will require that you know what matters to him, what's important to him. Two weeks ago, I shared with you 
that you matter to God. We make it so complicated, but basically it gets down to this. You matter to God personally. And we talked about that in length, how God wants to direct and guide your life. Last week, Pastor Sid talked about the fact that we matter to God. That is to say, the church of Jesus Christ. We are one part of the expression of the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is millions and millions and millions and millions of people worldwide who have made a confession of of Jesus, not only who are alive now, but who have lived previously, who have made confessions of of the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We are all part of his kingdom, part of his church, and we're one expression of the, the total church of Jesus Christ. And so Sid talked about how much we as his body, as his church, matter to God. Today, I want to take you kind of out of the building, past the walls, and talk with you about them. I'm not pointing at any of you. I'm pointing at the people all around us, them, the people out there. Because here is the truth. They matter to God. And who are they? Everyone around us that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They matter to God. Several years ago, Pastor Sid and I were driving down Bangor, actually, and we were talking about the ministries of the church. And I'm talking about many years ago, like probably 12 or 13 years ago. And we were driving down the highway, we were talking about what we believe God was, was putting in our hearts, what he wanted to develop through our ministry to our community. And I said to him, Sid, we must never forget that it's all about people. People are God's number one business. And everything that we were trying to do back then had this one focus of helping people And I said to Sid, as long as we continue to keep that our highest priority, our number one focus is to help people. Because people are God's business. And because they're God's business, they're our business. Every time we help people, I said to him, we are doing the will of God. Because God's work is not about buildings and it's not about budgets. God's work is about people. And when buildings and budgets become the number one thing to any congregation, they have lost the favor and the touch of God upon them as a a church. They may continue to meet together, but they have lost the favor and the anointing of God upon their life. The number one thing that this church must stand for is people. And every ministry, every focus of this church must be upon people. And when you have that, it brings the favor of God upon your life, upon your heart, and upon your ministry. I am very happy to tell you that as a congregation for the last 60 years that Life Church has been around, our number one focus has been in helping people. That's the driving force of what we've been about people. And the reason for that is simple. People matter to God. They matter. It's the number one thing. People are not disposable objects. We might sometimes think that because there are so many of us in the world that we shouldn't uh, maybe be all that concerned about a single individual, but every single person on this planet matters to God. Whether we notice them, whether the world 
cares about them or considers them valuable, they matter to God. Now, I have heard that uh, some say that the, the last words that are spoken by an individual before they depart this world are probably the most important words that they want to leave behind about what's most important in their life. Well, if that's true, I think it's important for us to hear what Jesus said just before he departed this world. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, says that Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's that baptism thing. There's Jesus saying, we're to baptize people, and that's what we'll be doing next Sunday. Teach these new disciples to obey all these commands that I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, I want to look again at verse number 19, because in that verse, Jesus is telling us to do something. We underlined it and put it in red. And it's the simple two-letter word, go. Jesus says we are, as his people, to go. This commandment was not just for the early disciples 2,000 years ago. It's been for every disciple since the day that Jesus left the planet, and it will continue to be until he returns. He's telling his church, I want you to go. But how are we to go? How is important? I think these verses tell us how Jesus wants us to go. Number one, we are told to go with truth. We are told to go with truth. We aren't told to go with a new philosophy. We aren't told to go with a new religion. We aren't told to go with what is socially acceptable and popular today. Jesus is telling us as his church to go with truth. And in verse number 20, he calls the truth his commands. Teaching them to do all that I command you is what he told them to take to everyone, to go with. In John 17, 17, Jesus said that the word of God is truth. Thy word is truth, he said. So the word is truth and we're to go with his word. But just as there is truth in the world, I think we all understand that there is also error. There is also falsehood. I will be so bold as to say to you this morning that not all truths, not all religion is true. Not all faith systems will get you to God. Not all of them will lead to salvation. If any and every religion in the world offered a pathway, a true pathway to heaven, then I would submit to you that there would be absolutely no need for us to sacrifice to take the message of Christ into the world. The reason we sacrifice is because there is only one truth and there is only one God. The fact that Jesus told us to go in compelling words tells us that, the, that only the gospel, only in the gospel, is there salvation. Now, we live in a time in history, especially in the United States, where that statement is absolutely rejected. Every idea is acceptable today. Every religion is considered acceptable. Every philosophy is embraced. Now, the reason for this is because truth today is believed to be relative. 
What that means is your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. We all can define truth on our, on our own basis of what we want it to be. But I want to submit to you that if truth is not absolute, as Christians, we are faced with two facts. Number one, there is no real truth. If truth can vary by opinion, then there is no real truth. Because truth, by its very nature, cannot change. It cannot change. If it changes, it's not truth. Truth is solid. Truth is immutable. It never changes. If it does, it's not truth. If something is true today, it has always been true. And if something has always been true, it is still true today. Truth must be unchangeable by its very nature. It must be absolute. It must stand the test of time or it's not really truth. And that's why we do not embrace the belief of continuing revelation from God. We believe the Bible is the inerrant and total revelation of God for us today. It's all we need from God to get us from earth to heaven, from, from here to his presence. The Bible is the full and complete word of God. Why? Because the truth doesn't change. It doesn't need to be added to. It doesn't need to be enhanced because God is truth and he never changes. Truth is by its very nature unchangeable. Second, if truth is not absolute, then there's no reason for us to take the gospel anywhere. Why bother? But Jesus said, go. He said, go into all the world. Take, take it to the world. Take it to everyone who will listen to you. Take the message of the gospel. If the gospel is not truth, then there is no reason to take the message anywhere. There is no reason to witness for Christ. There is no reason to sacrifice financially to get missionaries to the field. There is no reason to establish churches. We must never forget that what we do, we do because we know that Jesus is the only way. He is the only hope for mankind's soul. Nothing else works. No one else bridges the gulf or the gap between us and God. The Bible is very clear about this. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, there is salvation in no one else. That's the reason we sacrifice. That's the reason we're committed. We must never forget that our primary purpose is not to gain wealth or to possess things. Our primary purpose in life is to bring glory to God, and we do that by reaching to the lost, to those who don't know Christ as their personal Savior, and bringing them unto the Lord, because they matter to God. I think Robert, Pastor Robert Jeffers uh, says it so well. Only those who believe that personal faith in Jesus Christ is absolutely necessary for salvation have any logical reason to share their faith with others. That's true. I believe that statement, that only a personal faith, a religious faith will not do it, but a personal faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for salvation. That's why we must share our faith. So we share the truth because we know that there is salvation in no one else. And because we know that, we commit ourselves to this second thing that I think Jesus is sharing to, uh, with us out of 
uh, Matthew 28. We are told to go everywhere. We are told to go with truth, but we're also told to take that truth everywhere. Jesus said in verse 19 of Matthew 28, go and make disciples of who? All nations, everyone. Now, going doesn't mean that all of us will go to some remote region of the world. The fact of the matter is, some of us may go there because he's the commander-in-chief and we are the soldiers and he tells us where we're to go. I want you to know something today, that I am here and carry, we're here at this church because we believe God has called us here. We're not here, we weren't trying to find a job when we came here. We had a job. We didn't need to come here to pad our pockets. We came here for one specific reason. It was because we believed that God was sending us here. We were under a commission from the Lord. Every associate that we have on the staff of this church believe the same thing, and Carrie and I believe that about them, that they have been called here. They don't work for me. We work together in this process called the kingdom of God. You see, we are all called to do what God is, is directing us to do, and we go to fulfill his call upon our lives. So going may mean going to the uttermost parts of the earth. That, that can be the case. God can send you to the uttermost part of the earth. But going mostly means reaching lost people wherever they are, around the world or next door. Life Church must never exist, and, and I hope you get this, Life Church must never exist just to provide a spiritual social club for those who are already saved. And, and, and I think this is a huge problem in the American church today, and I have to be careful not to get on a soapbox because I can do it at this particular point on this subject. But I'll just say this, far too many American Christians have lost their burden for the lost. They don't care about their neighbor anymore. They've given up on it all. They don't care about their coworker. And far too many American churches have lost their commitment to take the gospel into all the world. And so for them, it becomes nothing more than a bless me club for the saints. This must be more than something that just blesses my life. It is our desire to bless you. It is our desire to encourage you and to strengthen you through biblical teaching and helping you to form uh, uh, meaningful spiritual relationships within the body of Christ. That is vitally important in our church, but our highest calling from Jesus takes us out of our building and into our city and touches the lives of those who desperately need to hear about Jesus Christ and about about his love and his ability to save them from the guilt that they're living under every single day of their lives. And sometimes that'll take us out of Salt Lake and even into the world, and it's the reason why we commit ourselves to supporting missionaries around the world. The word that Jesus used in verse 19, which is translated nations that we read to you earlier, go into all the nations, it simply means peoples. So what Jesus is saying here is that we are to take this message to wherever there are people. And I think about the missionaries of the Assemblies of God that we have sent out around the world. 
I want to tell you just a moment about them. Their calling is from God, and their calling is a lifetime calling. They don't go for just two years and then come home finished with their assignment. Their calling is from God, and it's a lifetime calling, and they live it until the day that they die. And it means in many cases that they leave family, and they leave what's comfortable and what's common to them, and they learn new culture, and they learn a new language, and they have to meet new friends. But they are willing to do it because the call of God drives them to do it. Who decides where our missionaries go? Jesus decides. There isn't some committee of men who who calls them into a meeting room telling them where they believe God is calling them to go. These missionaries feel, they feel it in their souls. They're burdened by God into their heart. And the spirit of Jesus, with that spirit burdening them, telling them where he wants them to go, they, they say, this is where God is taking, a, taking us, and we stand and affirm that by supporting them. They have a call from God, not from men. Abraham knew that call. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 tells us about it. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And then Hebrews eleven eight 8 tells us what happened. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. You say, what's the matter with you, Abraham? How can you do that? How can you leave everything comfortable and everything you know and go somewhere where you don't know? He said, it's the call of God on my life, and I'm going to go where Jesus wants me to go because that's what believers do. The Apostle Paul knew the call of God, too, when he was preparing to take the gospel. Actually, if you know the history of it, he was ready to take it through what is now the country of Turkey and into Asia. He was going to take the message of the gospel But the Spirit of the Lord redirected his plans and in a vision of the night said, I've got a new direction for you. Acts 16.9 tells us that that night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece, in Europe, was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded what? That God was calling. God was calling to preach the good news there. We had plans to go here. God is sending us there. Why would they change their plans? Because they were under the call of God. The apostle Peter was sent to the home of a Roman centurion by the name, his name was Cornelius. And in that day, the Jews had as little to do with the Romans as possible, but God sent Peter into the house of not only a Gentile, but into a Roman army Gentile. Why? Because lost souls matter to God, because Jesus cares about the lost of the world. And what happened? Acts chapter 10 tells us that Peter said, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Jumping down to verse 44, Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed at the gift of the Holy Spirit's being poured out upon the Gentile believers as well. God didn't even wait for Peter to give the altar call. He started saving them right there in the middle of the service. I guess God can do what he wants to do. In Acts chapter 8 verse 4, we are told that the believers who were scattered preached the good news wherever they went. They were scattered because of persecution. 
The devil tried to stop their witness for Christ through persecution, but it didn't work. The more the devil persecuted them, the more they fled into the regions of the world, and the more they fled, the more they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And the kingdom of God just kept growing and growing. The very thing the devil was trying to shut down, God used it to, to expand the kingdom. Today, the Assemblies of God has nearly 3,000 men and women serving in countries all over the world, doing the same thing as those those early uh, Book of Acts disciples and apostles did. They're preaching the good news wherever they go. But folks, it's not just for missionaries. God has called all of us to be witnesses to, to carry the message of salvation to the lost. I look down and see my brother and sister Miles and Phyllis sitting right here who've just come back from Mexico. They aren't on pastoral staff here. They aren't paid through the church. Why did they go to Mexico? Because God sent them down there to reach out to a people who needed to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Lord used them. That's what I'm talking about. It doesn't take a title to get you to be a witness. God will use you wherever you are willing to be used. God has called all of us to be witnesses, to carry the message of salvation to the lost. And so we share with our neighbors, and we share with our family, and we share with coworkers. Wherever we go, we share with people who need Jesus. Why? Because they matter to God. But we cannot do it on our own power. We can't do it in personal talent. We can't do it with our own personal giftedness or charisma. It's not going to persuade people. That's why, number three, we're told to go in the power of the Spirit. That's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit in the first place, to give you power to be his witness. He knew he couldn't do it on, we couldn't do it on our own. We needed the help of God. Listen, we may not have the knowledge and the ability to debate and out-argue those who hate the gospel. You may, you may not. And we may not have the money to outspend those who finance antichrist movement in America today. And we may not have the influence to counter the 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 anti-God propaganda that fills our homes from morning till evening through television and radio. But we have something that the world and the rich and the false religions of the world don't have. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, and that trumps it all. Jesus told his disciples, listen, don't you go out into the world until, Acts 1-8, The Holy Spirit comes upon you because when he comes upon you, you will receive power and you'll testify about me with great effect. And then Acts chapter 2 tells us how it happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled 
the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As I read that again, I've read that many, many times, but two thoughts jumped to my mind out of that verse as it relates to what we're talking about today. Number one, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is what I want you to get. They didn't move a muscle trying to reach the world for Christ before they received this anointing of the Holy Spirit upon their life. They waited, they tarried, they cried out to God for the promise of the Father because they knew that they couldn't change, they knew they wouldn't triumph, they knew they wouldn't be victorious and they wouldn't be victors without God's power helping them to do it. You will not be a powerful, well-intentioned Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit within your life. Good intentions will not take you over your old past sins and your past temptations. Only the power of the Holy Spirit anointing your life will give you the effectiveness that you're looking for. And that same thing is true not only for them but for us. Life Church will only go forward as we do so empowered by the Spirit. If we ever become religious in this, we become powerless because the power is in God and we must seek that power for our lives. If you have not received this powerful baptism of the Spirit, then I encourage you to seek. It's not the same as salvation. It's an added blessing God has for you. Seek the Lord for it, for the Holy Spirit will give you the power and the ability to effectively witness for Jesus Christ. It wasn't just for the early church. It's for us today, too. So you say, Pastor, why do we give to missions? Why do we sacrifice to build the kingdom of God? Why do we give Jesus our best? Why do we seek for the power of the Spirit in our lives? For one reason, it's because they matter to God. It's because those people out there matter. And because they matter to him, they matter to us as a church. Now, there's a second thought from those verses out of uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that I, that I, that's going to take us in a, in a new direction to the conclusion of this, morning, this morning's message. And it's this particular truth. Number two, they were all together. They were in unity. They were bonded together. In fact, that's what Acts 2, 1 says, when the day of Pentecost, which is a Jewish holiday, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. What were they doing? They were seeking God. They were in an upper room. There's 120 of them. And they were seeking God. And they said, Father, Jesus told us to wait until this, this special promise comes from you. And they, were, they began to seek God. But they were there together. You know, uh, what I have realized after all these years is a lot of things that I can do on my own. But there's so much more that I can do with you. We can go so much further because we are better together. Now, we as a church believe that. We believe that we need one another. We are, we are better when we worship together. We're better when we fellowship together. We strengthen each other's lives. And because of that, we want to incorporate into our church ministry what we call life groups, which is a focus on small group ministry. If you've been a part of the church, you know that every fall we do what we call our fall campaign. And this year, we're, we're, the theme of our fall campaign, which starts next month, is the, just simply one word, transformed. Hallelujah. And we're going to be talking about how God transforms you mentally, how he transforms your family, how he transforms your soul, how he transforms you uh, financially, how he transforms your marriage. I mean, we're going to go down the line and talk about what God 
God can do in your life if you will open yourself up. Not just be religious, not just be a Sunday morning guy or gal, but seek the power of God in your life. I'm telling you what, you will be a transformed person. But part of the transformation is us connecting with one another. And we do that through our life groups because none of us know everybody in the church. We need the encouragement from one another, but we have to have opportunity to meet each other. And so you'll find at the bottom of your, on the back of your, your notes today, a way for you to sign up to be a part of one of our life groups. And that's simply what I'm asking you as your pastor to do. Be a part of a life group. Even if you've been a part of the church for years and you've never done it, do it this year. Commit to it, Sub, uh, be, be a part of this. Fill out the bottom part of, that, of, that, of your notes down there, and I think it asks for your name and, and uh, maybe your email address, and uh, I think it asks for your zip code. Does it not ask for your zip code down there? And the reason for that is we want to connect you with a, a group that's kind of in your geographic area, so we need to know where your zip code is. And, and so if you will do that, if you'll fill that out, and, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do, where it's, where it's uh, dotted there. There's not a perforation because we couldn't do that. Just fold it, you know, real good, and then tear it off of there. And on your way out today, hand it to one of our ushers. So I want all of our ushers to be at your station until everybody leaves today because I'd like to ask you to fill that out and hand it to them, and then we'll get it to the right people who will help get you into a group. If there's no usher on your way out or something, just come and give it to me, and we'll still make sure that it gets where it's supposed to be. But I want you to be connected because we are stronger together. We are better together. We see miracles happen when we are together because we learn to pray for one another and to bear each other's burdens and that's what the body of Christ is all about now praise the Lord so they matter they matter and I've been talking about salvation but I'd be amiss today if I didn't take opportunity to give you anyone that's here today that doesn't know Christ as your personal Savior the opportunity to do what I did a number of years ago to give your life to Jesus Christ. And when you give him your life, this is what you're doing. You're making him the Savior and Lord of your life, and he takes away the guilt of the past. He takes away the pain of the past. He starts healing that in your life, and he starts setting you on a new road, a new direction for your life that takes you eventually all the way to heaven. I want to give you the opportunity to be set free from your past and from your sins. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.